0: You know, totally my type. He made good money. Uh, you know, he was the charmer, and I liked those ones.
1: Welcome everybody to another episode of Always Bev the Ripple Effect. I am your host, Barb Jordan. Now I apologize. There's a little lapse in our season five. Life actually happened to me, but I'm glad to be back at it, and I'm glad that you're joining in. In fact, today's episode, we have our first international guest. She's from Canada, and our next few episodes are extremely powerful as well. Uh, We have the father of Sammy Josephson. Sammy Josephson was a college student who was killed several years ago by an Uber driver. And we also are interviewing our first victim of sex trafficking. But today's episode is so powerful because it talks about violence and manipulation within a relationship. Did you know that 8 out of 10 times when there is a sexual assault, it's committed by somebody that the victim
0: knows? And dealing with somebody who I wasn't his first mark. Like this wasn't the first time he'd done this. Um, And I had no idea that people who profess to love you could do that to you.
1: I always talk about warning signs. And these are warning signs For you, if you have concerns about your relationship, guilting, how about when somebody makes you feel responsible for their actions or makes you feel like it's your job to keep them happy, deflecting responsibility, repeatedly making excuses for their unhealthy behavior, betrayal when someone is disloyal or acts in an intentionally dishonest way. Uh, You're going to hear these things. And when you listen to today's stories, that's plural, all by the same woman, you will be able to identify these warning signs.
0: Kim, why do I suddenly feel uneasy in his presence? We've got to pay attention to that because that uneasy feel, I can remember it like I get goosebumps when I think about it. I knew. And if at that moment I'd said, I'm uncomfortable here who knows what would have changed. I could have changed the entire course of my life.
1: So my guest today is Candice Smiley. Candice, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Well, you have quite a story and it dates back in fact, 20 years. So just to kind of get into you, you've overcome a lot, but can you just kind of start where maybe 20 years ago, you went through something rather violent. Uh, Share
0: that with us. For sure. Yeah. Uh, 20 years ago, I was 17, and I was sexually assaulted by my then boyfriend. And this actually continued uh, in various forms for two years until I found the courage to leave him. Um, And it was very, like you say, violent as as it comes up. And it's taken me a really long time to talk about it. To be honest, for the longest time, I sugarcoated it. I really didn't use the language that clearly expressed to anybody who was listening what actually happened um, in terms of its severity and its impact. And it took me just a really long time to be able to vocalize it, mm. which was really challenging, right? As you can see, you know, still challenging to, to get it out there. And before that, I had um, been very innocent. I grew up very sheltered. It was a great childhood, to be honest. Um, but I didn't have a lot of uh, you know, street start smarts. I wasn't uh, out in the world very much. And so when I met this person, I went from never holding a boy's hand to uh, all the way um, within eight hours of, of physically meeting him. We had a long distance relationship before that. And so that had a significant impact <laughs> on on me and and how I looked at myself in the mirror for sure. How long did you date him before he sexually assaulted you? Um, We had been, we had met uh, when I had done some travel um, with, uh, you know, other teens and got to experience some of the world. And um, then we started talking afterwards. So, I don't know, a couple of months, and then he came over to, to meet me. And I had no idea what was going to happen. I was 17, he was 24. And um, there was certainly some concern at the time, you know, from my parents that he was, you know, a little bit older, but I was almost 18, Um, you know, so it was okay. And he was polite and he did all the right things to earn my trust and the trust of the people around me that to this day, there are people that are like, really? No, that didn't happen. And for a while, that was really hard to deal with because I was like, am I crazy? You know, is this happening? And uh, I can remember... That was my very first time experiencing things like gaslighting and manipulation, where I did think I was crazy. And it took a very long time for me to realize that, no, this isn't what I want. This isn't what I asked for. And the way you present to the rest of the world is not who you are behind closed doors. And whether anybody believes me or not, I have to trust myself. And that's what took you know the incredible amount of time um, to tell myself the truth about
1: yeah. Uh, did he live near you or was this, had it always been a long distance relationship? It
0: had always been a long distance relationship. So when he'd come, he'd come for months at a time. And so, you know, he'd come and the abuse would happen again. And then of course there was always the remorse and I use air quotes in that, in that instance. Right. So the, you know, push and pull was definitely there in the relationship. And I'd make an agreement when he went away that that was it. I was going to break up with him and, you know, invariably he'd show up again and I'd be there again. I didn't, and I didn't necessarily know how to say when someone travels to see you, and that's an excuse, but when someone travels to see you, I felt guilty for saying, you know, Hey, I don't, I don't want to engage in these activities. (laughs) And, and that was not always, well, that was never honored.
1: So when you were 17, were you still
0: living at home? I was. And where did this take place? Uh, I took place like right under my parents' nose. So whenever they weren't around or you know, wherever it could, it happened to be completely Mm -hmm. honest with you. And that was really challenging. And I know, um, yeah, there wasn't a lot of safe places anymore for sure.
1: I'm sorry about that. And did it make you angry? Like to go out in public, let's say you guys went to the movies, you went to get something to eat and he acted to the rest of the world. Like he cared for you. Did that ever make you angry?
0: Less angry is more confused. Like I was highly confused. Um, And again, I didn't really have a a perspective on gaslighting based on how I was how I was raised. These were not topics that were necessarily discussed. I mean, they were, but sort of in that gentle way that you know you don't want to put it in somebody's head rather than in very clear um, terms. And so I had no point of reference, and that was sort of something that I had to sort of ask on my own. Right? If I'm not comfortable. And someone says this, you know, so there was a lot of that, that was just, it was just generally very confusing to me. And then I would have hope that I was like, oh my, he's being really nice. Maybe, maybe tonight I won't have to go through that again. And that was never the case.
1: Maybe he's going to change to that. (laughs) Did you ever play that in your Yeah,
0: totally. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Okay. What was some of the gaslighting or manipulation that he used?
0: Uh, Well, a lot of guilt um, you know, guilt that, uh, you know, I've come all this way to see you and I'm, you know, I really love you and all this other stuff. So it was that sort of thing. I need it. You know, you can't leave a boy with blue balls, that kind of thing. Um, just a lot of it, or, you know, just a little bit, just a little bit, like, just, just, just do this, just do this, which was just, it was annoying. (laughs) Like it was like, no. And then of course, once you gave in a little bit, then that, then it was over, um, you know, all the way happened. So that was really challenging.
1: So basically just over time, he knew what buttons to push and he knew what he could say to get you to change your mind or to get you to give in. Totally. Yeah. And then after it would happen, did you just brush it off or did you just, were you ever angry where he, where he knew maybe you were
0: upset about it? Anger didn't come in to be completely honest with you until the last couple of years. Um, and now, um, there's a there there was a lot of angry, certainly mm. at the tail end of this this last twenty years in terms of some healing, um sort of as I came to tell myself the truth. um but no, uh, a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, um a lot of sadness, to be honest. and I felt myself just turning off. Um, and there was a really big disconnect. So before that, um you know I was very happy. Uh, I did a lot of singing and performing. And then after it happened, the first time I stopped singing, I stopped smiling, I stopped performing, I stopped speaking. Basically, people were just like, it was an overnight change. So people knew something was going on, but nobody necessarily knew. And then when they'd ask, I didn't know how to talk about it. And that was really interesting is I just, I didn't have the words to be able to say it. Now, I probably could have written it out because I've always been um, really enjoyed journaling. And that's where I did write out a lot of it, but it became very clear to me very quickly that when I did try to talk about it or hint at it, right. Hey, I have this friend and, you know, that sort of thing. i try to make up a story around it. Um, People would say, Oh, that happens all the time. And, and this sort of this brushing it off or, you know, I went through that as well. You know, it sucks, you know, tell your friend she'll be okay. She'll get over it. And I remember thinking, but I'm not, I don't know how to get over it. Like, how do you get over it? Where, what does one do to get over it? And how do you, you know, or people would say, well, I wouldn't put up with that. And I'm like, well, how do you not put up with that? Like, what do you do to, to have a different outcome versus very clear language that somebody maybe had recognized to say, you know, does your friend need some help? Yeah. <laughs> right. Does your friend know how to communicate? Um, You know, is your friend in trouble? Those, those conversations never really came up in a powerful way.
1: How long did you date this guy?
0: Like two years.
1: Okay. And how did you get away from him?
0: Uh, to be honest, I had a really great uh, friend, uh, actually a young a young man who I think recognized um, recognized in me the big change. And maybe, I don't know, the bro code kicked in or something like that. Um, but he was the one who actually said, hey, if, if something's not cool in your relationship, you can just leave. And that was basically it. But it was like this get out of jail free card that I really hung on to. And I didn't know how to leave because I would try to break up with him. And then He'd send me tons of gifts or he'd book a flight and come over to see me. Like it was ridiculous to try to, uh, to try to leave. And so I actually ended up cheating on him. I ended up finding somebody else and literally cheating and then immediately broke up with that person. And it was literally just to make him angry enough that he, that he went away. But then I hated myself for that. And that then started, you know, a pattern of very unhealthy relationships very unhealthy endings um, just really a pattern that I didn't know how to say, Hey, this isn't what I want. And this is who isn't who I am.
1: Yeah. Where, uh, did your parents fit into all this? Was this just, just a complete secret until like your late twenties? Is it still a complete secret no, What's happening? It,
0: it, they don't know the, the extent of it, uh, to be completely honest with you. Um, and I think that's just me. Uh, I've come to a place of peace about it, so I don't necessarily need to tell them. I think it would break their hearts, mm-hmm. um, to, to know uh, in that I couldn't tell them. And it was just a shame. It wasn't that they weren't supportive or would have supported me, but I was just so terrified to disappoint them. Um, I'd worked really hard to get good grades. I'd worked really hard to be the good kid, right? I wanted to succeed. <laughs> and so to have that happen, I felt like it was my fault. And it took me a lot of years to realize it wasn't my fault, Right. And by the time I got to that point, it just feels like digging up old bones. Not that I wouldn't talk about it with them if it came up, but, um, they know something happened. There was certainly, my dad got angry, um, at me, unfortunately a couple of times because the dude would be doing what he's doing. He'd hear my dad, you know, rustling around upstairs or something like that. And this, this guy would like literally run out the back door and leave me like to deal with my dad's frustration. And my dad didn't necessarily know. Right. And I didn't know how to say, Hey dad, don't be mad at me. Be mad at him. Right. You're right. just like, aren't you, why aren't you in bed? You know, I told you guys curfew was this time. And so I'm sure my dad knew, I'm sure he just didn't have the language to know how to help me out of that situation either. It's not like it's a, uh, it's not like it's easy. There's no book right? yeah, no to on that this. That is
1: true. That is true. <laughs> Okay. Well, if it's any consolation, I hate the guy. I hate him for what he did to you. So just let's just get that out there in case he ever listens. Please call me. I mean, please have him call me. I'd love to share some thoughts. Right. Okay. Um. I am sorry, though. I'm sorry that that happened. So this took a toll on you, obviously. It did. Over over a lot of years. In fact, you contemplated ending your life. Is that correct?
0: I did. Yeah. I, um, I struggled with suicide for a number of years. Um, and that was a, that was a challenge. And, um, a lot of it was, I just had such a self-loathing, um, because once of course that happened and then I got into the negative patterns, I didn't do the hard work to talk about it. I had the odd therapist cause I knew I wasn't, I wanted to work through it, but, um, I don't I wasn't honest with a lot of my therapists, right. With, to the depth of what had happened, I'd say, well, you know, boy took my innocence or someone touched me in an inappropriate way or something like that. Like I didn't really let the weight of what happened and the length of what happened. I didn't show up and say, cause I felt so broken. Like I felt like it was really my fault. And then I kept on getting into these relationships. I was just, I was totally a target for, you know, the people who use abuse and who people who hadn't done their own healing. And so yeah, uh, that was a pattern, and that really sucked. And I found myself, it was oh, probably 8 to 10 years afterwards, um, literally lying on the floor and was about to slit my wrists, and my cat wouldn't leave me alone, wouldn't you know it? And uh, finally decided that, you know what, if I if I actually do this thing, um, which I totally intended to, then he would win. And there was something about that that I just – I couldn't, I couldn't live with, that sounds funny to say, but I, I couldn't live with, like, I didn't want that to be the ending, right. Cause then he would win. And so I picked myself up off the floor and called a local helpline. And I said, I want to do this. And they said, are you going to do it now? And I said, no, I'm on the phone with you, but I do need some help and I do need it fast. Mm-hmm. And so the next day I walked into a therapist's office and she was lovely and did we ever really talk about what happened? No, but she her specialty was in dealing with traumas, and so I didn't I didn't feel like I had to explain what happened, because I felt like she knew what had happened, and so we just moved into uh, coping strategies, um, which is where I really learned to lean on you know the power of journaling. She was surprised how much how honest I was in my own journals, but I couldn't voice them, but I could mm-hmm. certainly write them down, and so there was some relief there. And she empowered me to continue to do the work, and that was a huge turning point um, in my life. That I no longer felt like I would never get out from underneath it. I just didn't know how long it would be before I might, you know, really be happy or be able to not be, get into a relationship where I was felt like I was constantly dragging my past behind me.
1: Yeah, yeah. Did she? Did you share her your journals with her? No. So no one really knows. Does anybody really know all the details of what you went through? No. Mm. Okay. Well, I don't expect you to share it
0: here. <laughs> you know what? I, I have no emotional hit to that anymore um, because I've done the work and I'm at peace with it. Yeah. Um. You know, that's really important. I think that was hugely important for me before I started talking about it is I knew I had to not have the emotional hit. Um, and I'm comfortable now sharing, you know, the depth of it um, because I feel like we sugarcoat too much. And it's like, no, it was horrible.
1: Yeah. It was absolutely horrible. (laughs) So yeah. yeah. And I'm, and I am sorry that you went through that. And of course, you know, people never, never understand what a tremendous impact it has on somebody's life. And you are uh, an example of that, but you also are an example of somebody who has overcome it. So I want to, I want to get to that as well, but somewhere after that, you kept your same pattern going. And so tell, tell us, so, you know, you know, like, okay, this is what happened to me and this was traumatic and this is, this has damaged me. I've gotten some help, but then somebody else in your life came along and did you stick to the same pattern?
0: Oh, yes, I did. Totally. Um, I had not, I didn't know how to not use sex to hurt myself at that point. Um, and to be honest, it was, sex was like a drug at that point, right? I didn't get into, uh, I didn't get into drugs or alcohol, thankfully, but I did use sex to hurt myself the way an addict would. And that was really challenging because at least in that moment, I didn't feel all the guilt and the shame. So it was, it was very much a double-sided, um, life at that point, you know, I was, Going to nurses' training, I was living a life. And then on the weekends, I would engage in very promiscuous behavior, which Mm. was not good. Um, You know, attracted men who did not have my best interests at heart. And um, I felt empowered a little bit because I would put on a pencil skirt and I'd attract the guy I thought I wanted and have a good time. But the morning after, I would just hate myself all the more. And I'd promise myself, I'm not doing that again. I'd have an amazing week. I'd work hard, I'd do personal development. You know, I was sort of limping my way forward, and then the weekend would come, and it might be Friday night, I'd be lying awake and I couldn't sleep. And I'd be like, "Well, I can go out and at least feel powerful for a couple of minutes." And you know the problem was is that sometimes they played the game better than I did. And so I was using it to hurt myself. I hurt a lot of people in the process. Um, I'm sure there was some great men in there that I that met me and had no idea about the damage. And so it is true that hurt people hurt people. And so there was that, and then I would feel bad about that. So it was just really, I didn't really hit the pause button to show up and say, like, I'm just, I'm, I'm so broken inside, and I don't know how to fix myself.
1: Mm. And so with that pattern, did you ever meet somebody who had that same narcissistic personality?
0: Oh yeah, all the yeah, they
1: were, and they were the one.
0: (laughs) They were the one. Yeah, absolutely. They they had my number. Like you know, it just it was hook, line, and sinker, and so. You know, people still joke, right, about how quickly I would go through men, but they don't know the depth of it. And, of course, now I just smile because it's no longer part of my identity. I can laugh and say, yeah, (laughs) you're right. (laughs) I would go through guys like you go through socks. You're right. Um, You know, I did meet some amazing people in the process. They weren't all bad. I met I got some incredible stories of meeting men who were okay with themselves, who who didn't use me, even if I was using myself with them. Um, and then some of them even called me on it and said, look, you need to go do, you need to go do you, but when you do look me up, right? You're a cool chick. I appreciate you. I don't know what happened, but you'll be fine. So, you know, there were some highlights in there that certainly were North stars. I don't even know that they were North stars, but they were reminders, right? The guy that I met one time in a bar who said, what's a girl like you doing in a place like this? And he meant it. It wasn't a line. He said, you know what? Grab yourself a glass of water and go home. You'll be glad you did. And I did. Like, I I remember thinking, that's good advice. I will do that. Um, You know, and was thankful that, you know, he walked me to my car and told me goodnight and sent me home. Like he doesn't know. I don't even know his name. Right. But there right. were tons of those kinds of people along the way as well um, who didn't take advantage of, of who I was. And they had a much bigger impact on me than I think they know. And so, you know, to the good guy that's listening to this call, you do have an impact when you send us home, when you take care of us and respect us. It does help to change the narrative that we have about men in our head.
1: Yeah. No, that's a great that's great that you shared that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So back to the narcissistic pattern. Uh you met somebody and as you went through your life, somewhere along the way you got left with an enormous debt. Can you kind of
0: share a little bit about that? He was a doozy. Oh my gosh. And and, and you know what? I was I was doing my typical, I was, I was kind of sort of seeing somebody and then I met him and he did the narcissistic thing of like, said all the right things, took me to Vegas, you know, like he, he did a good job of, of convincing me that he was the guy. Tell me more. Uh, Tell me more about what he did. (laughs) Okay. Well, he was good looking and charismatic, uh, you know, totally my type. He made good money. Uh, you know, he was the charmer and I liked those ones. It was fun to be wined and dined, right? If I had to, you know, put out at the end of the night, at least I wanted to have a good time. You know, that was sort of the transactional life I was living. And yeah, it took me to Vegas, like bought me tickets and showed up at my door and said, we're going to Vegas. I did the whole, you know, don't worry, we'll buy you clothes when we get there. And he did, right? Like it was totally different. And I came back and said, yeah, this is it. So, you know, moved in with him shortly afterwards, right? Like why not continue the awful, you know, destructive pattern I'm on. And within six months, he admitted that he'd been cheating on me. And you'd think that, you know, a smart girl like me would be like, oh, I should peace out and go find somebody new. No, I believed him and believed it would never happen again. Right. So just more of the same pattern. Um, And it, and it, it did. It happened throughout. I mean, I don't even know the number, right. I have a number that I think it is, but I, yeah, you know, who knows how many it actually was. Yeah. And yeah, so we lived a very big life and I was with him for four and a half years. It was a long term relationship. Oh my goodness. I know. And then, um, you know, things had gotten bad and he was, I just, you know, caught him red handed cheating on me and it was the final straw. Who knows how many straws we'd actually broken by that point. And um, I left and it wasn't until I called my bank to increase my credit limit. Cause of course I had to, you know, start taking half of my stuff and all this other stuff that I discovered he hadn't been paying bills that were in my name. Like we're talking rent, we're talking other stuff, but it was always his number on the stuff. And so by the time I figured out, uh, and this is my fault for trusting him as much as I did, but he made more money. So he took care of me. I didn't worry about it. The amount of stuff that was in my name, we're talking houses, we're talking cars, we're talking, uh, and people say, well, how didn't you know? And I'm like, I didn't know. And that was my trusting blindly, And dealing with somebody who I wasn't his first mark. Like, this wasn't the first time he'd done this. Um, And I had no idea that people who profess to love you could do that to you. And um, by this point, he'd already left the country. And uh, so the one the collectors called was me, the ones that went through foreclosure court was me. And um, I just kept telling my story. And I said, You're not going to believe this. And, you know, my fault for trusting him, but here's the truth. I didn't know. And it was very interesting, even in that there there were very sympathetic people (laughs) who were like, yeah, you got scammed girl. And I said, yeah, I know. And wouldn't you know it? This guy still calls me every single year at Christmas time, always from a different number. Uh, And I know, haven't changed my number. I could, but at the end of the day, I've had it for many years. My business is attached to it. Um, Every year he reminds me, Hey, how's it going? I miss you. You were the one that got away. And I was like, that's funny coming from the guy who left the country and me with a whole bunch of debt. <laughs> so makes for an interesting story at this point.
1: After him, were you <laughs> were you able to break the pattern?
0: Um, were you able to, to set boundaries? I was angry after that one, uh, for sure. And then I attracted um, the man who would become my husband. Um, and he was very much the nice guy who liked to rescue. And so his, that, you know, that's a different, um, that was his pattern. (laughs) That was his pattern. Right. Uh, you know, but that narcissism comes in that way as well. Right. So there's rescue and then, you know, the need and everything else. So I went from one to another, um, you know, and, uh, that's the, you know, the father of my child. So, you know, I have a lot of respect for him and I know that my toxic attracted his toxic right? So that's totally cool. But it was a big, um, yeah. I did a lot of healing uh, in between those things, so I was no longer attracting this sort of a person. But I had sort of swung too far the other way, and now I was angry, and that wasn't necessarily good either, because now I was still not healed. <laughs> but now there was some anger along with the guilt and the shame and everything else. So certainly some negative patterns considered uh, continued in that relationship, and it took me. Uh, my daughter was two and a half when I left. So I was in that relationship for three years. But when I left that one, um, I realized when my daughter was six days old, that I I didn't want this anymore. I didn't want to be with men who, you know, left me holding the bag or who didn't step up. Uh, you know, some men find out their fathers and they, they, they become better before that. And some men find out their fathers and they peace out. And um, so, yeah, six days old, I told my daughter I would get sorted and we would leave and I would stop this pattern. Even if I, at that point I figured, you know what, I don't need any more men. I can do this. I can take care of myself. I'll be better if I'm healed rather than in these, you know, constant pattern. I didn't want to drag her into that anymore. And, uh, Then I looked in the mirror and I realized I wanted to lose 50 pounds because how could I take care of her if I had that much self-loathing and I realized I'd put on a lot of weight, um, baby weight and weight so that he wouldn't want to be with me. And I said, that's dumb. I need to learn how to say, hey, I don't want to have sex with you tonight. Hey, I don't. This isn't good for me. Hey, I need like I knew I needed to do that. So that was where the two and a half years came from. I did a lot of healing and personal work uh, without leaving my marriage until I could figure out how I could leave in a way that I could continue to support my daughter because I knew that financial support might be challenging, um, to get, and it was for a season. So that was, I think the biggest shift is this little tiny person showed up in my world and she gave me a reason to, um, fight for myself because Mm. I knew she needed me to.
1: Yeah. And she's got to be a reminder that, you know, you want what you want for her. You have to want that for yourself. And it's never too late. No. No. Right. Mm-hmm. Did you hear what I said? Because I'm I did. trying to inspire you, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now Absolutely. listen. What would you tell women who are who are listening to this podcast, and they think, "Oh God, do I get gaslighted? Oh, is he a narcissist? Oh, yeah, is he charming? Or, or, or you know, what would you tell them? What's your advice? Uh, listen
0: to yourself. Like And that's hard to do, especially if you've been gaslit and you're questioning your own sanity. If you're questioning your sanity, you're probably being gaslit, if you're wondering. Um, And so I encourage women to start journaling. And that was for me because I could could hide it. Uh, You know, sometimes they're not in a safe place to be able to write it down. Um, But spend some time thinking about it, right? Spend some time just... Asking, is this what I want? Do I feel uncomfortable when this is happening? Is this, if it, if I waved a magic wand, would it be different? Because if you're thinking that it would be, then you need to make changes to make it so. And then maybe there is that um, subtle abuse because that's how it starts. It starts very subtly. You do not see it coming, and you can be very smart, very intelligent, uh, you know, brilliant in other areas of your life. And it can it's so subtle. It happens. Um, very very slowly. And I think that that's how it works, right? And that your toxic, your not healed parts attract their not healed parts. So, you know, as much as, you know, there may have been an instigator in this point, usually the men. Um I am aware that if I had done the hard work to heal myself, I wouldn't have attracted these people into my life or if I had, I would have recognized the behavior sooner and I could mm-hmm. have made different decisions faster, right? So, that would be my wish is don't Beat up yourself. You are where you are. Practice some radical acceptance and start with you. Because once I started telling myself the truth about what was, which started with, I'd rather it be different. I wish it was this way, then that really started to open me up to the possibility of attracting somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I'd want them to have hope because I'm currently in an amazing relationship with somebody I attracted after I did 14 weeks of intensive healing, where I finally invited the grief, the shame, the guilt. Um, I invited it all to sit with me. And I was scared to do that because I thought I might start crying. And I thought I might not crawl out of the hole. So to be honest, I didn't go there by myself. I went there with trained therapists. I went there with people I could trust that I could say, listen, I was sexually assaulted at 17. I've never dealt with it. I want to go back and remember some of it today, but I don't want to do that by myself. Mm. And these are people that just stood in the gap or came and held space. And to be honest, when I finally stopped running from it, which I'd been doing for most of my life, it wasn't as bad.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, Let me ask you this. And I know you'll, you know, you may never know the answer, but going back to the man that sexually assaulted you when you were 17 and obviously it was violent. Do you think that had you not left that relationship, like you said, it's a slow progression, right? Everything is slow. It's like a boiling pot. Mm -hmm. Do you think had you stayed in that relationship that it would have become more abusive over time? 100%. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Why do you think that? Well, because it had gotten worse. It started off, you know, subtle, right? It did. And then it got worse and worse and worse and worse. And he was just using me to deal with something that, you know, for him was very physical, but I wasn't cool with it. So yeah, it would have absolutely gotten. And at some point I would have fought back, but I probably would have had kids by then, right? So it would have been very different. And then there would have been more control and more opportunity for control. And even though you were
1: at such a young age and probably lack some of the strength to get away from him. You actually saved your life Mm -hmm. by getting away from him. Do you ever look at, do you ever
0: look at it like that? 100%. Yeah. I'm really proud of myself for how far I've come. Um, You know, and now that I've redefined the situations, as just something that happened. I can look at them sort of with this um, objective eye and start to take the lessons from it. Right. What could I have done differently? Which originally when someone would ask me, you know, how did you get there? Or would you have done differently? Those felt very accusatory. But now I know that by talking about those things, other women will recognize the situation and not get themselves into this mess. There's nothing wrong with a really charming man. They're great, right? However, if they're charming you and you go, eh, at all. Like, that's why I have a podcast called Trust the Niggle, Tell the Truth. The niggle is that annoying, inconvenient sensation in your gut that goes, wait a minute. That's all it is. And so if you're not paying attention, you'll miss it. But if I had listened to that, if I look back and I'm really honest with myself, with each of these people, I either deliberately chose to ignore that and went in eyes wide open. Yep. This person's going to be bad for me, but I, you know, I want to increase that habit right back to the very first one where I had a sense, just a fear and uncomfortable this isn't going to be good. And I don't know why, because I have no reason to believe this person won't take care of me. This person doesn't love me, but he loves me. So what do you mean? Why would I be afraid to meet him? Why do I suddenly feel uneasy in his presence? We've got to pay attention to that because that uneasy feel, I can remember it. Like I get goosebumps when I think about it, I knew. And if at that moment I'd said, I'm uncomfortable here, who knows what would have changed. I could have changed the entire course of my life if I had just listened and said, I'm uncomfortable. And I didn't know how to say that.
1: Yeah. But now you have this wonderful podcast. Now you are a strong voice and you are changing the paths for other women who may be experiencing some of the things that you went through.
0: Yes. Yes. And I'm passionate about it, especially for, you know, young girls and just talking about it and really using language, not to be graphic, but to be clear, you know, are you uncomfortable? Are you unsafe? Do you feel unsafe, regardless of whether or not you feel like you have a reason to feel these things? If it's a no, then it's a no. Because if it's a yes, it must be a hell yes. If it's not a hell yes, then it's a no, period. And so that's a real mission for me now is just to empower women. Um, And then if something has happened, to let them know that you don't have to be silent. In fact, there are a lot of people like me who would say, I hear you and I see you and I've been where you are. And there are so many people that want to support you to get back to the place where you love yourself.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for sharing this. This is a, this is a lot of information. And I know you took us from one spectrum of your life all the way to the other side. And I'm, I'm so yeah. proud of, of who you are and what you're doing. Uh, is there anything that you want to share that I haven't asked you about?
0: No. Uh, you know, I think that was a lot for any of your listeners to sort of digest. And I would just want to, you know, empower them to to start listening to themselves and trusting themselves, even if they don't know what to do or how to leave or how to make the change that stopped me for a lot of years. We don't have to worry about that part, as long as you just start telling the truth to yourself. It's amazing to me who came along, like I said, you know, the guy in the bar that sent me home, or you know, women I've met who've, you know, I didn't even know them who helped me make better choices. Those people will show up, but you've got to get honest with you first that, Hey, I'm not in a safe relationship. Hey, I'm not where I need to be. I'd like this to be different. I want to attract different men, but I don't know how just start there and then get open to what is potential. And when the opportunities come to make better change, you'll know when you have the courage to take them.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, listen, Candace, thank you for being part of Always Bev, the ripple effect. You were wonderful to have on the show. Thank you. To learn more about signs of a healthy relationship, I want to direct you to the One Love Foundation. They do an excellent job of basically providing support and education if you ever have relationship concerns. On our next episode, we have Seymour Josephson, the father of Sammy Josephson, who never in a million years thought that his daughter taking an Uber ride would end her life. I'm your host, Barb Jordan. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Always Bev, The Ripple Effect.